Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? I ain't no saint myself, and while I can appreciate some of Emperor Elagabalus's policies, the rest of his actions were beyond wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with sizing a man up, if you catch my drift. But that was one of the ways this teen emperor chose members of their court. They were such a rotten emperor that their very own grandmother ordered their execution. I guess you really can't have your cake and eat it too. But they sure tried. For the most part, it's exactly what you would expect from a horny teenager with unlimited power. The rest is exceedingly brutal. Let's plunge into the bathhouse and wrap our hands around a big piece of history from ancient Rome's teen devil. Get ready to clutch your pearls. I ate this rotten apple down to the core. Then I ate that too. Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the most rotten one of all? Hi. Hello and howdy, my darlings. Welcome to the lair of your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters. I am so glad to have the chance to talk at you all again, and I hope y'all are doing great. A lot of what I'll be telling you in our lesson today will sound made up, but I assure you that it isn't. It still sounds like it should be a Netflix series, though. I'd watch it. No matter how hard they tried to erase the life of Emperor Elagabalus, my magic mirror still managed to show it all to me. Elagabalus was born in 204 AD as Varius Avitas Bassianus. They were known to be kind, lustful, and had a twisted sense of humor. All words that have been used to describe me a time or two. 
They were made emperor at only 14 due to some plotting and schemes by their grandmother. Elagabalus's family held hereditary rights to the priesthood of the sun god Elagabal, of whom Elagabalus was the high priest. That god is also where Elagabalus got their new name from. It's a good example of how Ella thought of themselves. Definitely a confident queen. There is some speculation that Elagabalus was transgender, which is why I'm using they, their pronouns. Based on the known evidence, they were more interested in taking the submissive role and predominantly with men. That, along with being known to wear makeup and cross-dress, to name a few, hint at it being a bit more than just a femme queen. Elagabalus is even said to have asked physicians to castrate them when they had to be circumcised to become a priest, and then later also to find a way to operate them into a female Can you imagine? All of that and not a drop of anesthesia. Ouch. The sources for those accusations aren't entirely reliable, though. They would come about after the death of Ella and could have been used to tarnish their name and rule even further. One of the reasons I chose Elagabalus is that we share similar interests. I, too, am more submissive and pretty feminine with my male counterparts. Well, depending on my desire to nail most of my body hair off. The other reason I chose them is because it's just a dang good story. I won't be getting into a lot of Roman politics in this lesson, only what pertains to Elagabalus. Frankly, compared to the smut, I didn't find the politics one bit interesting. First, if there was a handsome Roman man, Elagabalus probably slept with him. They were under more drunk Romans than the seats of the Colosseum. And although they were passed around more than a pack of wet wipes at a rib restaurant, Elagabalus was married to at least three women. But it's rumored that it was up to five. Even in their marriages to women, Ella still took the role of the wife and never had any children with them. One of their wives was actually a priestess who had taken a vow of chastity. Ella, I'm guessing, forced her to abandon her vow and marry them, saying that their children would be like gods. That marriage didn't last long, and the priestess was left high and dry. At the time, it was illegal for anyone to bed a priestess or priest who had taken a vow of chastity. The punishment for that crime was both of them would be put to death, often by being buried alive. That marriage also caused great strife among the public and how they viewed Ella and their devious lifestyle. All the wives, though, were more just for the public eye. Elagabalus only seemed to be interested in two things. A big rock and a big good time. Now, when I say a big rock, I am talking about Elagabalus's god. Yeah, you heard that right. When he traveled to Rome, they brought with him the black stone from Emesa. It was the most holy object in the cult of the Syrian god El Gabal. By bringing it with them, they were showing the public that they still intended to fulfill their duties as a priest of El Gabal. They even built a temple on Palatine Hill and called it the Elagabalium, or the Temple 
of Elagabalus. Their god was so important to them that they ordered sheep and cattle to be sacrificed at the temple every day at dawn, while high-ranking senators were often forced to attend. It's believed that the black stone was actually a small meteorite that fell to earth. It was so important that the stone and the temple it was housed in were printed on some of the coins. Just imagine for a second, it's ancient Rome, where you are surrounded by gorgeous and colorful statues of various gods and goddesses that are being worshipped. Then along comes Ella with a big black rock and tells people, there's your new god. Not saying that a big black meteorite wouldn't be cool, but now they have to worship it? I'll pass. There were rumors that Elagabalus also demanded that human genitalia and young boys from noble families to be sacrificed to the rock. Those have no proof and are most likely to be false and were created after their death to tarnish the rain even more. Another rumor that the children that they took from the families to be sacrificed, they made sure that the child had both parents because the weeping of two parents would mean more to the sacrifice and to the gods and blah, 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 blah. It seemed that the public, after the death of Elagabalus, was very into the thought of genital mutilation. That's two rumors that center around the act. While men were castrated at that time, they were mostly slaves. However, there were some who did it as part of their religious devotion. Even early Christians would do it, before it was outlawed by the church, as a commitment to their chastity. I looked up, how did they do that back then without the person dying? And one of the ways I saw was they would give them some kind of plant drug and then put them in a bath of milk And then under the water, they would kind of just cut them off. But they would also dehydrate them or crush them. (laughs) Sorry, I'm tensing up right now just thinking about that. There is also an argument about the claims that Elagabalus requested their own castration. It could have been because they were transgendered and wished to appear on the outside as they felt on the inside. It could have also have been as a personal sacrifice to their god. My magic mirror, though, tells me that's none of my business, so let's move on. As if the Elagablium and sacrifices weren't enough, they also had a giant temple built outside of Rome for the rock. It was taken there yearly at midsummer, and the emperor ran backward in front of it for the entire way so that they would never turn their back on their god. You know... Normal things. Now, as we are all aware by now, Romans weren't as plagued by religious propaganda as we are today. So it wasn't that strange that Elagabalus preferred the sexual company of men. As long as they had a wife for procreating, they didn't really care. They even had their body hair plucked and enjoyed wearing makeup in public, which is me every day. Their desire to be feminine went further as they met a slave named Herocules, who essentially became Ella's new husband and bodyguard. It is also believed that Elagabalus would prostitute themselves, offering themselves naked to men on the street or in taverns and brothels, all the while expecting to be caught and punished by Herocules with a good hard spanking. 
There are even claims that Elagabalus had a fake street created in the palace and would pretend to be a prostitute there, as well as force high-ranking officials who displeased them to do it as well. Can you imagine that? Hey, you there. Did you collect the taxes I told you to? No. Well, grab your lipstick, honey. You're reporting for duty on the street corner tonight. Don't forget to stretch first. It was also unheard of for the emperor to bathe in public view. Bathhouses were very popular in Rome. And Elagopolis didn't want to miss out on the show. They opened up the palace baths to the public. And when Elagabalus saw a man with a big third leg, they would pick that man to work for them. I see nothing wrong with that. The sexual appetite of Elagabalus was insatiable. They had more rectal stimulation than what was believed possible by one person in just three short years on the throne. Again, I'm not judging. If I, at 14, were given the same opportunity, I would have done a lot of the same things. Well, aside from all the mean stuff. Elagabalus enjoyed a good practical joke, too. Only, they weren't always harmless. They liked to hold feasts and would often serve guests wooden food while they ate the real stuff in front of them. It's even said that they would sometimes release lions during a feast. The lions were tame, but the guests didn't know that, and Ella belted in laughter as they all panicked and freaked out. There's even a painting of one of the feasts that Elagabalus had, and they dumped so many flower petals from the ceiling that guests became trapped underneath them, and some of them even died. It's got to be a lot of flower petals. Sometimes, they would have their chariot pulled by lions, dogs, or even naked women who would be whipped while they pulled, and Elagabalus enjoyed laughing at their screams. They would order the release of poisonous snakes into the crowd at Circus Maximus and even enjoy the show of watching the crowd scurry and scream. Some people would even die from the bites of the venomous snakes. Imagine dying from a dang snake bite, and right before you go, they're like, it's just a joke, gotcha. There was even a wooden wheel that Elagabalus had made to torture people. It was modeled after the legend of Ixion, who was cast out of Olympus by Zeus and bound to a winged fiery wheel that was always spinning. Ella's wheel was wooden, and they would tie those who displeased them to it and basically have them waterboarded. They liked to play games, too. Things like ordering their slaves to bring them 1,000 pounds of spider webs, or requesting 1,000 weasels be brought to the palace. They also liked to send jars of frogs, scorpions, and snakes as someone's yearly allowance. At some point during their reign, Syrian priest prophesied that Elagabalus would die a violent death, which isn't that far of a reach, as most Roman leaders did die that way? Did any of them die of old age? In preparation for it, Ella had purple silk cords installed all around the palace so that they could hang themselves if need be. They also had golden swords and bottles of poison placed around if the cords didn't suit their mood. You know, options. 
The fear of assassination went so far, a high tower was built so Elagabalus could jump from it. And every method for possible death was made from the best material, and even adorned with jewels or gold. Elagabalus declared that even death should be costly and marked by luxury, in order that it might be said that no one had ever died in that fashion. All of the lustful and erotic behavior and the fact that Elagabalus ignored their government for the sake of their religion and abused their power over everyone led to Elagabalus's own grandmother ordering their assassination. On March 11, 221 AD, Emperor Elagabalus and their mother was visiting the camp of elite Roman soldiers and bodyguards. The soldiers surrounded the two of them and murdered them as Elagabalus's mother tried to fight them off of her child. Their bodies were then beheaded and then they were dragged through the streets and thrown into the sewers where they were washed out to the Tiber River. Elagabalus was only 18 years old. All the members of their inner court were also treated to the same fate. The Roman Senate then issued Damanato Memoriae, or Condemnation to the Report, which consists of erasing all traces and heritage of a person. All of their coinage, portraits, and statues were then destroyed in an attempt to erase them. That's also when it's believed that most of the rumors began. I guess... Unless we can travel back in time to ask them, we won't know the entire truth about the short life and reign of Emperor Elagabalus. For the most part, the big difference I saw between them and other teen leaders of the past is that they preferred to be a greedy bottom and were unashamed to live their lives open to the public. While a lot of ancient Romans were known to participate in the homosexual horizontal tango, we know that leaders had to keep some things behind closed doors to keep their public image crystal clear. For the people of Rome, the public lifestyle and ignoring of them and their wants and needs was just too much to tolerate. Being a greedy bottom isn't enough to make one rotten, though. I chose them because of the cruel pranks, the whipping of naked women who were forced to pull the chariot, and the suffering that the majority of people had to endure because they weren't being properly governed. But again, I mean, what did they expect from a horny teenager with unlimited money and power? And big old cod pieces to choose from. The lesson that I learned from Elagabalus is that there are consequences to doing whatever we want all the time. That, and to learn to read the room the next time I decide to make a practical joke on someone. Do you think Emperor Elagabalus was an evil ruler, or only a little bit rotten? Let me know what you all think. As for the speculation on if they were transgender or just a femme bottom... That answer, I believe, died along with them. Hell, I'm 33 and I still struggle with the question on whether I myself feel more like a woman or just enjoy the feminine aspects of life. Honestly, I think I'm too lazy to be a woman 24-7. I'm 6'3". That's a lot of leg to shave. 
I do picture myself more as female, but I am lucky enough to still enjoy the body that I have. We shall see what the future holds, though. After all, gender is fluid, and my name is Waters. The fun of learning about ancient Rome is deciphering what really occurred out of rumors that often followed a failed leader, and all out of little bits of pottery, coin, or statues. I do appreciate each and every one of you, and until next week, be happy, find peace, and for heaven's sakes, don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., which I do with my brother, Shane. We have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we will be interacting and having a plethora of extra fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things a brewing. Join us there and have a great week ahead, everyone. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.